Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. One of the things that energizes our teams the most is being able to hear stories of lives that are impacted by this ministry. We would love for you to share your story with us by emailing it to stories at newcommunity.co or maybe your next step to getting connected to what God is doing in this ministry is partnering with us financially. You can do that online at www.newcommunity.co or through the PushPay app and find the giving option that works best for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, church. It's good to see each of you guys here this morning. Um, we're just a few days away from Christmas, so hopefully you've gotten all your Christmas shopping done and you're going to have a great week of spending time with family and friends. And if you're new here and I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Aaron and I am the lead pastor here at NCC, and we're glad that you're joining with us this morning, worshiping with us. We are in this series called Step Out, just as you saw in that beginning video. And we're looking in God's Word. We're looking through what's known as the historical books, um, Joshua to Nehemiah, and we're looking through these books and looking at how God is challenging people to step out. And many of them, He's encouraging them to step out from insecurities that they have, from fears, um, from some kind of family history or past and step into his plan and his purpose and, and to see God do something amazing through their life as they take this step of faith and enter into what God is calling them into. And so as we've been looking at their life, we've also been examining our lives. And as we walk through each of these stories, we're looking at what God is speaking to us and how God is challenging us to step out and what that looks like as we take God's word and we apply it to our life and so we've been walking through different passages of Scripture. And last week we talked about stepping out into hope. And we're going to continue this idea of what God is calling us to step out into. And I was thinking about this. Whenever I was in high school, um, my family and I, we lived in Colorado Springs. And um, my little disclaimer for this story is I was not saved at this time, okay, because of what I'm about to tell you. But one night my brother and I and a few friends, we had snuck out of our house. It was the middle of the night, probably about 2 in the morning. And we lived right across the street from the mall. And um, we had found earlier that day, as we had been at the mall, we had found a way to get up on top of the mall, to get um, up there and to be able to walk around. And so we snuck back late that night, and we pulled our car up kind of the end of the mall, and we climbed up, and we were on top. We were walking down the whole length of the mall, and I don't know if you've ever been in a mall with glass ceilings, but you know how you can look up, you can see the sky? Well, we were looking down inside of side of the mall. It was pitch black. You know, of course, no one was there. And we're making our way, kind of looking into different stores and different stuff as we're on top of that. And we get to the other end of the mall. We've walked the full length of the mall. And my friend finds a door. And I'm telling him, don't open that door. We don't know what's going to happen. But Max reaches out and he opens the door and he steps inside. And as soon as he does, alarms go off. And lights come on, you know, in the stairwell that's leading down to the mall. These lights come on. And I'm screaming, just run, just run. And we take off running, okay? I was like Forrest Gump. I mean, adrenaline's pumping. I was just running, you guys, as fast as I could. Um, and we take off down the length of the mall. And we're kind of zigzagging back and forth, um, trying not to get on the glass that we could see there. And about halfway through, I look around me, and I can see my friend Max. And I can see my other friend, little Mike. But I cannot see my brother, and I stop in that moment, and I look around, and I'm yelling out, Michael, Michael. And I'm looking around like to find out where he is, and I can hear him, but I can't see him. And so I stop, and I'm telling my friends, hold on, wait a minute. And I run back, and I find my brother, and he has twisted his ankle. And he cannot even stand up. like He's, he's trying to get up, but his ankle is really bad in that moment. And I look, and my friends just took off without us. And I look down, 
And Michael looks up at me. I'll never forget the look on his face. And all he can say is, Aaron, don't leave me. Aaron, don't leave me, right? And I'm thinking in that moment, I can stay here. I'm probably going to get in some really big trouble because we were not supposed to be up there. It's the middle of the night. Or I can try to take off. But, but he's looking at me and he's pleading and brotherly instinct kind of kicked in at that moment. And so I'm trying to help him up and he's leaning on me and we're kind of going and I'm yelling, go as fast as you can, go as fast as you can. And he's kind of hobbling down. And so we make it to the end of the mall and we climb down and I help him get down and we get in the car and we, we take off. Um, once again, not condoning any students in the room to do that. Okay, that was not a good idea. But as I was thinking about that, I thought, man, it was so important for my brother and to help him get off the, the roof there um, that, of that mall that he wasn't alone. And I think, man, there are times in my life, there's probably times in your life, you've made poor decisions. Maybe not a decision that you've made, but you're in a difficult circumstance because of something that's happened. Or it could even be a joyous moment, like something amazing has happened. And how much more meaningful, how much more powerful that moment is when you're not alone, when you're not doing that by yourself, when there's someone else there with you to share that experience, to share that moment with you, um, to share that, that idea of what's taking place in your life. And they're there with you to walk with you. Um, through that situation, whatever is going on in your life. And I think, man, we desperately need that. We need people in our life that are going to be there with us to walk through hard and difficult times, but also to walk through joyous moments in our life. And I want us to look at this idea of walking through life with the people that God has placed around us and how the Word of God talks about being intentional about doing that. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to look at the life of a man named Elisha and how he did this. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you, or it may be one or two seats over. And you can open that up and turn to page 171. And I want to encourage you to do that and follow along with us as we look at this story. And we're picking up just a few verses later, right where we left off last week. But in case you weren't here last week, I'll kind of fill you in on what's going on in 1 Kings chapter 19. The people of God are being ruled by a wicked king and queen. Their name is King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, and they're leading the people away from God to false idols, to false gods. And God raised up a prophet named Elijah, okay, a prophet named Elijah, who is speaking out the word of the Lord, who God is using to do miraculous things and fire falling down from heaven and consuming the sacrifice and, and controlling the weather and it's not raining for a certain time. And then at the word of Elijah, it begins to rain again. He sees supernatural act after supernatural act. And where we ended the story last week, Elijah, is he's found himself on the side of this mountain all by himself. He's afraid for his life and God is challenging him to step out into hope. And not only for his life, but to bring hope to other people. And so God challenges Elijah to step out into hope and to go anoint a new king that's going to lead after the heart of God and to anoint a new prophet that's going to lead after Elijah is gone to anoint this man named Elisha. And this is where we pick up the story as Elijah is coming down from the mountaintop. This is what it says, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. So Elijah departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. He was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. Elijah said to him, go back again. What have I done to you? And he returned from following after him and took the yoke of his oxen 
sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yoke of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he arose and he went after Elijah and assisted him. He went after Elijah and assisted him. I want us to look at what's taking place here in this story that we see Elijah's coming to the end of his life. He knows that. God has spoken to that. He's aware of that. And he's going to anoint a new prophet. And so he's out and God's told him who he's to go and who he's to anoint. But there's something powerful that happens here in this story. Elisha is out just at his normal day job. Okay, He's out plowing the fields. He's a farmer and he's behind these oxen that are plowing the field. He's just out in his normal day. And Elijah comes through, this prophet, this man of God who everyone in Israel would have known who he was. And Elijah takes off this cloak, kind of this outer garment that he has. He takes it off and he throws it on, Elijah, on Elisha and then he just walks off, right? He just kind of goes on his way. Now, I don't know about you, but that probably would have seemed somewhat odd if someone walks up to you in your workplace, okay, wherever you're at, in the classroom, at a bank teller, wherever you work at, and they just take off their coat and they throw it on you. But it wasn't unusual. Everyone would have probably stopped and been in awe because it was symbolic of what was taking place. That coat or that cloak that Elijah had was a symbol of God's presence. It was a symbol of God's power. It was what was called a mantle, and it was this symbol of God's now presence that had rested on Elijah being transferred to Elisha. That Elisha now was empowered to speak the word of God, to act with the authority of the man of God and a prophet that could speak to the people of God what God wanted them to do. And so Elijah was doing the symbol of transferring that over to Elisha now. And Elisha gets that in that moment. That means that now he has the full authority of God to go out and to minister, that he is the next person that God has called, that God has ordained to lead the people of God as a prophet, as a man of God. And now that anointing, that power of God has been placed over his life, but he does something in that moment. He doesn't want to do this alone. He runs after Elijah in that moment to follow after him. Why? Because Elisha's not done this before, and he knows that he doesn't have everything that it takes in that moment. Even though the power of God, even though the anointing of God is upon him, he wants to follow someone who's done this before. And so Elisha chooses to not step out alone. And that's the challenge that I want you to think about this morning, the challenge that God is giving us. Don't step out alone. In what God is calling you to do and what God is challenging you with in this next season of your life and whatever it is that God has in front of you, don't step out alone. Don't try to do this by yourself. Yes, God's spirit is inside of us, but God also brings people in our life to encourage us and to help us grow in what God is calling us to. And Elisha saw that. He knew that. And so he wasn't going to step out alone. He grabs hold of Elijah and he says, hey, don't leave. Just give me a moment. Let me go kiss my father. Let me go kiss my mother. And then I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to follow after wherever you're going, Elijah. I'm going to observe what God is doing in your life. And so I want to follow after you. Don't step out alone. Find people that are around you and that God can use to really encourage your life, to help you grow. Are you walking by yourself because that's not God's plan for your life? His plan isn't that you wouldn't do this by yourself. And we see this all around us like it makes sense in other parts of our life, right? Like you turn on football today and you're going to see a whole bunch of coaches, not just one, but a whole lot of coaches challenging, directing, managing the team, the football team that they're over. You've got a special 
um, special coordinator, like you've got offense, defensive coach, all of these people, they're there to make sure the players are moving, they're operating exactly like they're supposed to. You went to school, right? Or maybe some of you guys are still in school and you have a teacher and they're there, right? To instruct you, to correct you, to help you understand whatever it is that you're supposed to be learning. So why so many times in our relationship with God do we try to do this alone? We try to do this by ourselves. We think, well, this is right, a personal relationship with God. And, and after all, I'm the one talking with God. And so maybe I've just got to wrestle through this by myself. But that was never God's plan for your life. See, God, when he called you, he didn't call you by yourself. He placed you around a group of people. And you're here with this group of people every single week. Every Sunday, we get together for this reason, to encourage each other. We meet in groups throughout the week. Why? To encourage each other, to open up God's word, and to allow each other to speak into our lives. So I want you to take a moment, and I want you to just look around at the people around you. Okay, look in front of you and behind you. These are people that God has placed in your life so that you won't live out your Christian relationship by yourself. And if you don't know other people in this room, if you haven't taken time to get to know them, if you're walking alone, you're doing this wrong, you guys. If you're doing this all by yourself and trying to wrestle through your faith all by yourself, you're missing out on part of God's plan. And that is that you would have other people to come alongside of you and to help you in your walk with Christ, to help you grow and to help you develop spiritually. You were never meant to be alone. And we see this in Elisha's life. He grabs hold of Elijah, this man that had done it, that had gone before him and that was a prophet. And he says, don't leave me. I'm going to follow after you. And there's a few things that I see here in this relationship that he begins to develop with Elijah. He's intentional. Elijah's like, hey, you can go on your way. What have I done with you? You know, just go ahead, go back to plowing, go do your thing. God's going to direct you. God's going to lead you. God's going to guide you. And Elisha's like, no, wait a minute. I'm going to follow after you. Don't leave me. He's intentional. He pursues that relationship. He doesn't wait for Elijah to say, okay, go ahead and come. Go ahead and follow me. Okay, now I'm going to show you everything that a prophet does. No, he's the one that's intentional. And he says, hey, I'm going to reach out to you. I want to see what it is that God's doing in your life. I want to follow after you. I want to see what it means to be a prophet, how you declare the word of the Lord, everything that God wants to do inside of me. You've done this, Elijah, and now I want to observe your life. He's intentional with that. can remember a number of years ago, I was talking with one of my friends. He's a pastor, and he was turning 40 years old. And he had this idea, even when I turned 40, like, I still want to be fast, like I still want to be in shape. And so he had this goal, whenever I hit 40 years old on my 40th birthday, I want to run the 40-yard dash in under five seconds. In case you don't know, that's like NFL time. That's what some of the fastest guys in the NFL are running it. And so he said, this is my goal. This is what I'm going to do. And so I was talking to him after he had told me that. And I said, hey, are you reaching that goal? Like, what are you doing? He said, yeah, I've hired a professional running coach. And I said, you did what? And he's like, yeah, I've hired a professional running coach. He films every single run that I do. And we meet together a few times a week, and he's coaching me how to extend my stride, how to get more power in my run as I take off that explosion off of the blocks, how I can get a little bit more speed, and I can cut a few tenths of a second off of my time, and I can get faster and faster. And I was absolutely blown away by this guy who had set this goal, and he was being that direct and that intentional that he would pay someone to do that. And I thought, man, am I that intentional in my relationship with God? And something that matters probably a little bit more than my physical health or how fast I am, 
Have I surrounded myself with people that are speaking into my life, that are encouraging me to grow, that are encouraging me to go further, to go faster in my relationship with God, that are challenging me and coaching me how to do better, how to grow in who I am as a Christian, how to grow as a leader, how to grow as as a father and as a husband and all of these things? Have I surrounded myself with people that are going to speak into my life? Have I intentionally pursued those things? Because you and I, we desperately need those people in our life that are going to encourage us and that are going to challenge us and that are going to coach us in the way that we can move forward. And Elisha knew that he was not going to step out into God's calling alone. He said, Elijah, wait a minute. I want to follow after you. And we need to have that same intentionality in our life that we've grabbed hold of people that are are further along, that are a little bit more mature in their relationship with God. And we're saying, hey, I want to be around you. I want to be near you. I want to learn from you. I want you to be able to speak into my life. And that's the next thing that I see here in Elisha's life as he's challenged, don't step out alone. The next thing that I see is he's not wanting to be the superstar in this moment. Like he's the next prophet, you guys. He's the next spiritual leader of Israel. But in this moment, he doesn't say, okay, Elijah, go ahead and step back. I've got this now. It ends this passage with he follows after Elijah and he assists him. He's saying, hey, I'm, I'm here to learn. Elijah, I'm not wanting in this moment to kind of step in and be the superstar. I'm here to learn from you. You've done this before. And there's this teachable attitude in Elisha's heart. That it's not all about fame. It's not all about becoming God's prophet now for Israel. It's saying, God, I, I want to grow. I need to grow. I need people in my life that can encourage me, that can speak into my life. And so he says, hey, I'm willing to to step back in this moment. I'm willing to assist you, Elijah, and to see what God is doing inside of your life. My question for you is, as you step out, as you're challenged to not step out alone, do you have that teachability in your heart? You have that openness in your life for people to speak into your heart. I was talking with Adam, our Connections pastor, um, just a few weeks ago, and he was telling me about this book that he read, and he said, so many times as Christians, we talk about needing people to help us be accountable, right? People that are going to ask the hard questions. Are you looking at anything that you're not supposed to look at? Are you being a good husband? Are you being a good spouse? Um, And are you being the kind of Christian? Are you reading your Bible? Like people to ask us kind of those hard questions. And we need those things in our life, but He said, in this book that I was reading, it talked about not only having accountability, but having editability. Now, I don't even know if that's a real word, but it was in the book, editability. And what it said is, it's where we open up our lives like a book writer opens up the pages of their book to an editor. And the editor can come in and they can speak where the story needs to go, how the character is developing. Not just to kind of manage a set of behaviors, but how do they make sure that the story gets where it needs to, to have an ending or a conclusion that is powerful and have the effect that the author wants it to have. And I started to look at my life and want you to think about your life. Do you have that person in your life? Not just who keeps you accountable to certain behaviors, but who can speak into the direction of your life, who you're willing to open up yourself to and say, hey, I don't need to lead in this moment. I want to learn from you. I want someone that can speak into my heart and can help me go further in my relationship with God. 
someone that can act like the editor of a book and can help make sure that I'm not doing this alone and that I'm not headed in the wrong direction, that I'm not headed somewhere where I shouldn't be. The challenge churches don't step out alone. Don't step out alone. And as we continue to read through this passage, as we get further along, and Elisha has been following Elijah for a number of months and some time now, we pick up this story in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. If you still have your Bibles open, you can turn there. 2 Kings 2, 1. It's on page 175, just a few pages over. This is what it says in verse 1. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went to Bethel. And the sons of the prophet who were in Bethel came to Elisha and said, do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, yes, I know, but keep it quiet. And Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave. So they came to Jericho and the sons of the prophet who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said, do you not know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, yes, but keep quiet. And then Elijah said to him, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave. So the two of them went on. Now you read through this part of scripture right here Elisha has been following after Elijah probably for some time now. He's been observing him. He's been intentional about this relationship. He's been open to not just be the superstar, but to learn from Elijah, this prophet that had done it before him. And then we read this passage. And this is more than just kind of a a tour guide, okay? This is more than just a report on the cities that they've been through. But this has significance and this has meaning. As the people of God, the original audience that this was written to, as they would have read this, they would have understood the symbolism because every city that is mentioned here, it has this deep meaning for the people of God of something that God had done. And so when it said Elisha is following Elijah and he's unwilling to leave him, he goes with him to Bethel. Bethel was a representation of the presence of God. If you remember, as we're reading through the Bible in the book of Genesis, Jacob, this man, he's running away from his brother who he's a He's afraid he's going to murder him. He comes to this place. He has this vision of God's house, right? The heavens are opened. Angels are coming down this stairwell, going up and down. And Jacob wakes up and he says, this is the house of God. This is Bethel. It's where God's presence is. I didn't even recognize it at first. But now I realize that this is the place where God's presence resides. God's here. And I know this now. Jericho, it was the city where the people of God first entered into the promised land. And they don't have the military strength, they don't have the military might to overcome their enemy, and God fights the battle for them. This was a symbol of victory. This was the place when they didn't have the strength and they didn't have the ability on their own. God stepped in and he fought the battle for them. God conquered their enemies for them. Jordan was the place of transition. It symbolized the place of change where they were crossing over from the desert from 40 years of wandering around into the promised land, into God's promises and what he was calling them to. It represented change and transition. This is more than just kind of a tour guide through the cities that they're going through. This had meaning. And Elisha's looking at Elijah and he's saying, I'm not going to leave you. When you go into the presence of God, when you go into the place that represents the house of God, I want to be there. 
I want to be there, Elijah, when you're in God's presence, when you're in God's house. I want to see how you interact. I want to see what you do whenever you're there. Whenever you come upon Jericho, that place that symbolizes victory and freedom, where God overcame the enemies of his people, I want to be right there with you, Elijah. When you cross over the Jordan and you go through that change and that transition and you enter into the promised land, I want to go with you. I want to be with you there in that moment. See, the challenge is to not only step out with someone else, but to step out with someone who knows the way. Step out with someone who knows the way, who's been there before you, who's gone this way in front of you, and they have that experience in your life. See, there was a significance to every one of those cities, and Elisha's saying, Elijah, I want to be there with you when you're in God's presence. I want to be there with you when God shows you the victories that he's brought from his people. I want to be there with you as transition and change is happening. Elijah, I am not going to leave your side. See, and that's the challenge that we have, churches, that we don't step out alone, but also that we step out with someone who knows the way, someone who's been there before us. Someone who can challenge us in the way that we need to walk and what it means to go through those difficult times. I can remember in high school, part of my high school year, we lived in New Jersey whenever I was a freshman. And I ran cross country. I loved the coach um, that I had. His name was Coach Suriano, and he was my favorite coach all throughout growing up, you know, of doing any sports or anything. I loved him. And I love Coach so much because we're running cross country, and so we're doing wind sprints, and we're doing these long kind of 10-mile runs throughout the week. And I never saw Coach just sitting around. He was always right out there with all of us. And you'd see him, and if we were doing sprints, Coach was right there with us, and he would run some of the sprints with us. And when we'd be doing our long runs, he'd be right there. And whenever we were at the track meets or the cross-country meets, and Coach would be out on the course with us. And I knew that at some point I was going to see Coach a few times, and he was going to help me, and I could hear his voice even as I would come around the corner, and he'd be yelling at me, Aaron, come on, pick it up a little bit. There's a hill ahead, and there's two guys. Catch those guys. Don't let them get to the top of the hill without taking them, okay? So you're going to run a little bit faster, and then I'd go to a different part, and I'd be running, and Coach would somehow, he'd be right up there. He'd be around that next corner, and he'd say, Aaron, man, there's a guy who's just like 50 yards in front of you. Go get him, Aaron. You've got enough wind left in you. You can do this. The race is almost over. Come on, Aaron, keep going. Push a little bit harder. I need you to get one more guy. Just pass one more guy. You can do this. You can do this. Coach was right there. He knew exactly what was coming up ahead, and he knew how to lead me through it as a runner. He knew how to lead his team through it. Church, we are desperately in need of people in God's kingdom that will do that. Marriages that are strong, marriages that have already kind of gone through the rough weather, and they've been through difficult times, and you're willing to open up your life to younger couples. Those of you that are parents, and you've been through this, there are young couples that desperately need your experience. They need what you've learned along the way. They need even the trials that you've been through in the difficult times. There are people that are just starting out in this church in their relationship with God, and they need to learn how to pray. They need to learn how to open up scripture. They need to learn what it means to walk with God and to be faithful. They're looking at your life and they're desperately in need of someone who knows the way. And my challenge for you as church is if you've been doing this for a long time, you've been serving God for a little bit and you're doing this alone, you're missing out on what God is calling you to. We need people like Elijah who are going to be willing to open up their life 
who are going to be willing to allow people who are a little bit further back to tag along and to follow them as they're moving forward in their relationship with God so that we can help others grow, so that we can help others move forward in their relationship. We desperately need people who will go before us, someone who knows the way and who can coach us along and what it means to grow in our relationship with God. See, church, you were never called to do this alone. You were never called to do this by yourself. And if you're walking with God and you're walking alone, whenever you're gone, whenever you leave, whenever you transition, there will be a hole left behind. There will be a gap. There'll be something that's missing from the next generation, from someone else that needed your experience, that needed what you've been through, that needed your voice of wisdom in their life. There'll be something missing if we don't have someone like Elijah who's leading the way. And as you finish this story, something crazy happens. There's a whirlwind of fire. There's a chariot of fire that comes down, and it takes Elijah up to heaven right in front of Elisha's eyes. And as Elisha's standing there, and he's seeing this guy that he's followed being taken up to heaven, his cloak, that mantle that he first gave Elisha, it falls. Elisha walks over, and he picks it up. And he takes it. That's the symbol of God's power in his life now. And he walks to the Jordan River and he does exactly what he saw Elijah do. He wraps up that cloak, picks it up, he slaps the water of the Jordan and he says, where is the God of Elijah? It's this challenge, God, are you going to be with me now? Everything that I've learned, God, I'm doing that now. I'm stepping out into your calling because I've seen it in the life of Elijah. Where are you at, Lord? And God parts the Jordan, and he crosses back over and he steps out into God's calling and God's purpose because someone was willing to show him the way. And as I thought about this, I thought of people that have done that in my life. I thought about being a young man. I was probably in the fourth or fifth grade, and my dad's a pastor. We were pastors in a small town called Shirley, Arkansas. And we used to have Sunday night service. Does anyone remember that? Is anyone here? We used to have church Sunday morning and Sunday night. And we lived just, just a few yards, actually, from the church. It was a parsonage, so it was just kind of on the same plot of land. And at 5 o'clock, almost every Sunday night, my dad would find me wherever I was at in the house. And he'd say, Aaron, come with me. And we'd walk over to the church together. And I was just like a fourth or a fifth grader. I wasn't that old. I didn't have a long attention span. And my dad would walk to the front of the church just kind of like this room right here. He would kneel down at the altar and he would call me, Aaron, come up here with me. And he'd say, we're going to pray for the church. And I'd pray for a few minutes and then I'd get distracted, you guys. I'd lose focus. But I could hear my dad praying. And I'd see tears well up in my dad's eye and he was crying out, God, help us grow as a church, Lord. Change people's life. Change people in this community that need to be saved. God, marriages that are struggling in this place, God, strengthen them. Make them stronger. God, help us to be better parents. God, help us to be a better example of who you are. For 45 minutes, almost an hour, I would hear my dad crying out to God, leading that example. And after hearing that so many times, I began to pray. Even though I didn't know as a young kid all the words, I, I would listen and I'd repeat what my dad was saying and I'd pray for the same thing. And I think every Monday morning as we gather in here as a staff, we take those connection cards and, and your prayer cards that you guys fill out. Part of that is the legacy that my dad's handed down to me. Someone that was willing to go in front of me and show me how to do that, how to be a pastor, how to pray, how to call out to God for the needs 
of others. We desperately need that, church. We need each other. We need to be present in each other's life. We need to be that example of what it means to pray and what it means to call out to God. We need to be that example to others of what it means to open up God's word, to show them what it means to enter into God's calling and God's purpose for their life. The challenge this morning is don't step out alone. Don't do this thing by yourself. Don't go through your Christian walk or be a part of NCC and just kind of slip in late here into church and, and then slip out before anyone else truly gets a chance to know who you are. Open up your life to other people. For some of you, you're just starting out, and so don't step out alone means that you find someone who's a little bit further along. You ask them to go out to coffee. You ask them to open up their life. You ask them to help just speak into your life, to encourage you, to challenge you, to be more into what God's calling you to be. For some of you, you've been doing this a while, and it's time to stop doing it alone. You need to open up your eyes to people that God has placed around you, to people that are just starting out and say, God, use me. Use my marriage, God. Use whatever I have, Lord, to help someone else begin to walk after you, begin to follow after you. And I want to pray for you this morning, church. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. I just want to ask if there's anyone here in the room, and if you were to be honest, you've been doing this alone. Not only have you been missing other people from your life, you've been missing out on God in your life. See, before we can be brought back into right relationship with others and we can be an encouragement to other people, we have to first deal with the brokenness in our relationship with God. And maybe you're here and you don't have that relationship with God. You've been walking alone, been trying to do it by yourself, and you're realizing this morning that you need Him. That's what we're celebrating this Christmas season is God has come so we don't have to live this life by ourselves. He's given his son as a gift to us to restore that relationship. Sin broke our relationship with God and Jesus came to take our place. He died on the cross so that we could be restored back into that right relationship. And if that's you in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to stand up right where you're at and to come forward. I want to pray with you. Jesus is here this morning, and his word is very clear. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. We've all walked out on our own, and we're desperately in need of a Savior. We can't do this by ourselves. This morning, Jesus is here inviting you into a right relationship with him, inviting you back into his family, inviting you into to be part of a group of people who love him and who want to encourage you and see you grow and find God's purpose and calling for your life. And if that's you, if you're in this room this morning, would you just stand up right where you're at and to come forward? I want to take a moment. I want to pray with you. Church, I'm going to ask you to pray this with me, whether you're saying it for the first time or whether you've prayed it before. Jesus, I need you. I'm alone, but I don't want to be God. So I'm inviting you into my life. 
Forgive me of my sins. Be the Savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Lead me and guide me, God, into your purpose and into your plan. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Church, can we put our hands together and just celebrate this morning? Hey, we just want to take a quick moment and just pray with you guys. And so we're going to ask if you would just, yeah, take a moment, just step over here to the green room. And we just want to encourage you in what God's doing in your life right now. And church, while they do that, and they just take a quick moment together, I, I just want to lead all of us in a prayer. And I want to prayer, pray, especially this week, as we're around family members and friends, we have a chance to not do this alone, but to be God's voice, to be God's encouragement to people that may need that hope, that may need that joy, that may need that light this holiday season. And so as I lead us, I want you to just pray with us and ask God, use us this week. Help us not to be alone, God, but to walk with others that need your light. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this reminder from Elisha, Lord. We're not called to do this by ourselves, God. You've placed us here, God, to be in each other's life, Lord, to encourage, to challenge each other, Lord, to grow in our relationship with you. And God, I pray this week as your church, Lord, as we're around people that need your hope, as we're around people, God, that need to see you, God, and need, Lord, they need your light this holiday season. I'm praying, God, use us. Use our voices, God. Use, Lord, God, your spirit inside of us, your presence in us to bring that hope and that light to others, God. And we pray this in your name, Lord, do that. Amen. Amen, church.